emotions and you got faith and you have this dynamic all the time of this inner struggle going on with what we know we should be believing and what God is developing in our mind, but then we have these emotions and there's a way for all that to work. And we spent a lot of time talking about that last week. The good news is we're not done talking about that because it could come back up again in chapter 13. So whatever you may have missed from last time, we're going to revisit again a little bit just in greater detail next week. So I'm looking forward to that too. But we pick up here in 1 Samuel chapter 12. And let's start off with this one thought before we read it. Um, how many people want to move into a new seasons of life with last season's problems? <laughs> right? <laughs> Nobody wants to do that. Nobody wants to move into a new season of life, something that uh, God is going to do, and he's just bringing new opportunities, just new situations, different dynamics. Nobody wants to then say, you know what? I want to bring all my old problems and insecurities and problems from the last season and bring it here too. Nobody says that and nobody wants to do that. But it's interesting, it's interesting how there's also not a lot of proactive things done to actually prohibit that from happening. So it's almost like in a sense sometimes it's like, well, what what did we do different in that last season to connect with God, to hear his heart, to see what he's doing, so it doesn't, I don't have to revisit it again in this season. And a lot of times the answers are pretty far and few between on that one. Um, I don't like going in circles. I don't think you do either. Nobody likes just spinning their wheels. It's not a lot of fun. And that's what we're going to get into here in First Samuel 12. So we're going to talk about, um, like in cycles, spinning your wheels. Uh, where that can bring us, and then some good news on how to try and break that. Does that sound good? All right. Let's check it out. 1 Samuel 12. So, Samuel, at this point in time, Samuel, at this point, what's up, buddy? (laughs) It's totally legal. Samuel, at this point in time, he is, this is a change of season. Remember I said seasons and changing and like a new season? Israel moving into a completely new season. They went from Samuel being the lead man, lead judge, lead prophet. He was guiding them. He was anointed. He was the one leading them and taking care of them. And then now, he is on, he's on the verge here, on the edge of no longer having that position anymore. And he's no longer going to have that position anymore because number one, he's getting old. Just get to an age sometimes where there's just some bodies of work in life you can't do at a particular age. He's getting old. His sons did not take in the same way that he used to live. So his sons aren't really an option to lead. And what happened is the people, they said, you know what? We don't actually want to follow God like we have been with a prophet, with a a leader. We actually want a king in place. We want a monarchy. We want a king in place with an army. And we want... We'd like to have people already set up where their main job is to give us security and to provide for us. So we don't have to worry about that. Because that's what every other nation does, and that's what we want to do. And so Samuel, this is bittersweet, probably more sad than anything for him. He's like, oh man, you know, like, this new season, it's not the best decision. We haven't dealt with our issues from the last five seasons. And so it's kind of bittersweet. So he's trying to not paint it as a completely hopeless situation, 
But he's also trying to be real with them. I say, be real. Yeah, he's trying to be real. And sometimes people don't, don't like being real because it sounds negative or it sounds bad, but it's just being real, right? I mean, it's just, he's just laying out what, what the deal is. So he's going to give the story of where they're at, and he's going to say, listen, but there still is hope. There still is a way for us to get back to a better place. And so let's see what happens. So 1 Samuel 12, verse 1. Samuel said to all Israel, I have listened to everything you have said to me and have set a king over you. (coughs) Excuse me. Now you have a king as your leader. (coughs) As for me, I am old and gray, and my sons are here with you. And I have been your leader from my youth until this day. Here I stand. Testify against me in the presence of the Lord and his anointed Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? From whose hand have I accepted a bribe to make me shut my eyes? If I have done any of these, I will make it right. You have not cheated or oppressed us, they replied. You have not taken taken from anyone's hand. So he just starts off in those first four verses and says, Hey, listen, basically, this is what he said. He said, guys, I've literally given it everything I've had ever since I was young. I never did anything dishonest. I've always tried to be 100% with you, transparent, tried to lead the best way that I could. Is there anybody here, I've t- is there anybody here that can testify that, that maybe I haven't done that? Do I owe anybody in any way? Talk about integrity from a leader, right? Who doesn't want to follow a person like that? I want to follow, you want to follow people with integrity. Much of the reason why we, like, we're talking about nations and leaders now. Much of the reason, like, we have our nation the way we have it, and then we have leaders and we have presidents. And people. Most of us are very uncomfortable with following whoever is in power and whatever decisions they make, because honestly, most of us don't trust their integrity at the end of the day. Right? That's the issue. We all know that there's money involved. We know that there's lobbyists. We know that there's uh, other things pulling and vying for their attention. And most times, people just want personal gain. For for Samuel, I was going to call him First Samuel. For Samuel, the awkward. For Samuel, that was never the issue. He always just... Man, it's just so amazing. I'm, I'm just like inspired and encouraged by his model and his example that nobody had, had to stand there, hold his hand, and keep his heart pure. He had already decided in his heart, listen, this is the way I've been called. This is the way God wants me to live, and I am not budging. That's just a good leader with good integrity. So they say, you know what? You're right. You haven't, and God is a witness between us. Like, you're right, Samuel. You haven't cheated us. You haven't taken advantage of us. So now Samuel is going to do something here. He's going to talk to them about kind of where they've been messing up. Verse 5, Samuel said to them, The Lord is witness against you, and also his anointed, also his anointed is witness this day that you have not found anything in my hand, a.k.a. Um, I haven't done anything to take advantage of you. You know I've been, I've had the utmost integrity while leading you guys. And they said, he is my witness, they said. So verse 6. Then Samuel said to the people, it is the Lord. This is where he kind of just jumps now into their history and into their patterns. Say history. Say patterns. Now, this is a, 
just want to make sure that, that we understand this. So, Paul, remember we read Philippians in the beginning? And something that Paul says, he says, I don't look back to what was behind me, I press on towards what's ahead. Amen? Right? He says that. That's like a thing you do in the Christian life. You can't dwell and just sit on the past because if you had have your head so far up your past, right, you can't, you can't live in the future. Right? And you certainly can't get past the present. But it doesn't necessarily just mean you ignore everything that ever happened in the past either. But certainly the main focus has to be our new life in Christ for sure. So Samuel is not now going to jump into their history because he's mad at them, because he wants to make them feel bad, because he wants to humiliate them. He's going to dive into their history because what he is trying to show and make clear to them, he's trying to show and make clear to them that the way that they have made decisions and functioned as a nation is still and has been very unhealthy and unstable as best. And he also wants to paint a picture that God has still been more than faithful. He wants to show that to them. He needs to show that to him. He wants to make it clear to them the nature and the heart of the God that they serve. Because many times, they would get lost in just their own circumstances and their own surroundings, and that's what would really consume them, and that is what would lead them to make their next decision. And like I've shared with you before, One of the reasons why I love the Old Testament is because Israel is really, honestly, just a picture of what happens in my own heart and in your own heart. We just tend tend to, don't have to, but we tend to just resort to situations and decisions based on how they're affecting us in the immediate and what might be easier for us to deal with in the present. And so thankfully we get to go and look back at Israel and say, man, a nation that's not that different really from my heart, we can kind of see like how it plays out for them. So I'm thankful for their example, but my heart kind of breaks that they just fell into so many of the traps that just laid in front of them. So Sam was trying to prevent them from getting into this next season of life with new leadership and new promises saying, hey, we still got problems. What are we going to do to like deal with it? So let's look at what the problems were, okay? All right, so then Samuel said to his people, it is the Lord who appointed Moses and Aaron and brought your forefathers up out of Egypt. Now then, stand here because I'm going to confront you with evidence before the Lord as to all the righteous acts performed by the Lord for you and your fathers. Again, he's trying to show and highlight God's faithfulness, despite what they have done. Verse 8, After Jacob entered Egypt, they cried to the Lord for help. And the Lord sent Moses and Aaron, who brought your forefathers out of Egypt and settled them in this place. But they forgot. Everybody say forgot. Right? They forgot, or some versions have forsake. But they forgot the Lord their God. So he sold them into the hand of Sisera, the commander of the army of Hazor into the hands of the Philistines and the king of Moab who fought against them. They cried out to the Lord and said, we say cried out. They cried out to the Lord and said, we have sinned. We have forsaken, say forsaken. 
They've forsaken the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtoreths. But now deliver us from the hands of our enemies and we will serve you. Then the Lord sent uh, Jerubal, and some versions have that in there, or, or Gideon, right? Barak, Jephthah, Samuel, and he delivered you from the hands of your enemies on every side so that you live securely. But when you saw that Nahash, king of the Ammonites, was moving against you, you said to me, Now we want a king to rule over us, even though the Lord, your God, was your king. Now here is the king you have chosen, the one you asked for. See, the Lord has set a king over you. If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands, and if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. But if you do not obey the Lord, and if you rebel, if I say rebel, I'm going to come back to that word in a minute. If you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you, as it was against your fathers. Now then, stand still and see this great thing the Lord is about to do before your eyes. Is it not wheat harvest now? I will call upon the Lord to send thunder and rain, and you will realize what an evil thing you did in the eyes of the Lord when you asked for a king. Then Samuel called upon the Lord, and that same day the Lord sent thunder and rain. So all the people stood in awe of the Lord and of Samuel. The people all said to Samuel, Pray to the Lord your God for your servants, so that we will not die. For we have added to all our other sins the evil of asking for a king. So it just like went off in their heads. Verse 20. Do not be afraid, Samuel replied. You have done all this evil. Yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. Do not turn away after useless idols. They could do you no good, nor can they rescue you, because they are useless. For the sake of his great name, the Lord will not reject his people, because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. And I will teach you the way that is good and right. But be sure to fear the Lord and serve him faithfully with all your heart. Consider what great things he has done for you. Yet if you persist in doing evil, both you and your king will be swept away. And then the next chapter, we get into really Saul's leadership. How it's kind of what he's going to do. But you get the sense, right? You see what I'm saying? You get the idea that it's a new season. New things are coming about. And when he did, he said, hey, listen, I gave you my best. I did everything I could. They're like, yes, you have. Okay. Then he says, we can't go much forward until I just remind you of how good God is and you still have mistakes and patterns that got you in trouble before and the reason that we're actually in this situation right now is because of this same mistake and pattern that you never dealt with before you felt threatened there was um, panic there was anxiety that led to a decision and then you just made it and you said hey listen that's been happening and that just happened because the reason why you asked for a king is because another king threatened to then invade us and take us over, and you didn't come seek God first. You just said, you know, we just need a king. We just need an army in place. And whether that is true or not true, that may actually be the case. God is saying, hey, listen, you should have came to me first. Your heart should be connected with me first. Let's come here first. And they, like, never really did well with that. And Samuel just wanted to show that to them. But then Samuel, he told them, he said, hey, listen, It's not like this is hopeless. If you stay with God, you stay committed. If your king stays committed, I think he does with an exclamation point in there. He goes, look and see what great thing God will do. That's kind of exciting and hopeful. 
And then Samuel makes the, he does kind of a crazy thing here. He says that it's wheat harvest, right? I mean, it's a dry season. That's why they're bringing in the wheat harvest. Everything is already grown. It's dry season. There's no more rain. Nothing's coming. He says, listen, to further emphasize that what I'm saying is from God and not just my opinion, what's going to happen is rain and thunder are going to come. Just so you know, these are words from God right now. And sure enough, it comes. And then they're like, it's like then a light bulb went off. Oh, God, like, that's actually the case. God's not playing around. <clears throat> and then he tries to encourage him at the end, hey, don't budge on this, don't budge on this, stay faithful. So there's just a couple of things that stuck out to me about this, really just two things. And I just want to talk about those two things right now. One of them being this, because I think it will help everybody in the room. I know it helped myself. And I think it'll be helpful to you. Uh, one thing is, there's this idea of cycles. Everybody say cycles. Cycles. Um, and you know, there, there's the picture here for uh, the message, you know, season of stuff. There's different seasons. They come with different cycles of life, you know. And um, You guys understand what cycle or, cycles are and how they work. You know, you have your cycle in the washer. You got the cycle of the seasons, you know. You have cycle in your thought patterns and in your behaviors. There's just certain cycles that are there. Not all of them are negative. Some are positive and good and helpful. It'd be good to have a cycle of setting goals in your life, setting up plans to attain those goals, working towards those goals, maybe even failing for a little bit but not quitting, but then like attaining it, then getting to another place and setting more goals like that. That would be a good cycle pattern to have. <clears throat> negative patterns, and that's the one that's like kind of happening here, unfortunately, for, for Israel. It's a negative pattern developing. And their pattern looked like this. Desperate prayer. Deliverance. Then forgetfulness. And they would just kind of like go in circles with that. So what happened is, they would sort of just live their life and do what they're doing. They would get to a place where they, they don't know what else to do. Desperately cry out to God, God help us. Now we're in a mess and we really need you now. All of us kind of know something about that. Then, there's something interesting about that. That that just authentic crying out and that plea that's just transparent before God. Like there's, there's, there's no other agenda. It's just, I, I need you, Lord, now. I know it. I see it. I, I need you now. It's interesting how that attracts the heart of God and it attracts him to move towards that. It's very interesting. It attracts his hand. It attracts his heart. Like, he, he moves on that. He's not necessarily pleased with maybe all the ignoring of who he was before that. But there's something about an authentic, transparent heart that cries out. And the weird thing is, is that most of us, we try to avoid everything in life to get to that point. And if we do get to that point with God, it's like people don't want to come to church. They won't come to Bible studies. They want to ask people to pray for them. Like, I'll handle this on my own. It's like the craziest thing, right? But that's like, the, that's like one of the, the one known things throughout the Bible is that authentic hearts that are just desperately crying out for him to move and work. And does he just say, you know what? Too bad. Like, you made your bed lie in it. It's like, you won't find that from his heart. He comes and he moves. We're going to talk more about that in a little bit. But that was their cycle. Desperate prayer, deliverance, forgetfulness. 
Um, when we read verses 6 through 12, and you saw the idea with, and I'll just look real quick, Moses and Aaron, he talked about Jacob, uh, he talked about the Philistines. The point was, is that the people never voted. They didn't ask. They didn't go to God and they said, hey, give us Moses and Aaron as leaders. Uh, give us Jacob as leaders. Uh, give us Aaron. Give us this situation. Give us that. There was never like a group vote on that. They never decided that. That was something that God said, I want them. I'm giving them to you. Do you hear the difference there? Like in this situation with the king, they're like, hey, this is what we want. Like, give it to us. And don't confuse me with the facts. Right, we've talked about that. Previously, Sam was trying to make the point of, hey, listen, God has always raised up people for you. He will always take care of you. And he's trying to make that like, clear to them. But despite every situation, God redeemed them. Amen? He did. He came into the rescue and he redeemed them. Uh, so here's one thought I just want to take away from that. And maybe it will be helpful. We'll just unpack it a little bit. Um, they, wanted to fully, they wanted to fully surrender to God when they needed him, not when he said to. They wanted to fully surrender to God when they needed him, not when he said to. That's a bad pattern that they had, and that's a very bad pattern that many of us can get into. And that's one that like, prevails around a lot of people, actually. I want to fully surrender to God when I really need him to show up and I need him to fix something, I need him to intervene. Right? Some people only operate on that when I really need it to happen. Instead of when he said to. When he said to. Well, when, when did God say to surrender? Oh, I'll tell you when he said to. He's, when he said to, he said, abide in me. Be in relationship with me. Have me be the first one that you go to when you experience those like just strong emotions, that strong confusion. When those desires come in and you have those ambitions and situations in life happen, come to me first. Then search my word for truth that can help build you up and equip you. Surround you like your life with voices that can help emphasize that. Clear out clear out, make boundaries of things that are going to come in and do damage to that. So think about whatever is praiseworthy and noble and good and right and true. Right? Like, that's what the idea of surrender looks like. And if we just did it, and if they did it the way he asked them to, it really wouldn't have been, I mean, can you imagine if they just engaged and connected with God's heart in the way that he initially said to do, and then when a threat arose, how worried do you think they would be? Maybe a tiny bit at best. Maybe a tiny bit at best. The problem was they were never fully surrendered and into what God had called them to be. Never were. They would still set up their temple. They would still give sacrifices. They would still have feasts. They would still do some of the things that God said. But God never really had all of them all the way. There's so many things that he asked them to do. And they just... Compromise and complacency became an interesting part of their lives. And those things are killers. Say killers. Yeah, complacency and compromise. 
oh man, they have just robbed so many people of so many years of so many things. So they wanted to fully to surrender to God when they needed him, not when he said to. So that's certainly problem number one. But the good news about problem number one is bad decisions are not beyond consequence, but bad decisions right, are also not beyond redemption. You with me on that? So bad decisions, they're not without consequence, but they also are not beyond redemption. So some of us, we're going we're gonna to make decisions, we're going to choose to do things, and they're going to have consequences. And the Christian is not immune from consequences. Well, what about forgiveness? Well, good question, I'm glad you asked. Right? In our standing with God, for sure, like that sin, it won't count against us. So we can be in relationship with him, we can hear his voice, we can walk with him. He will bless us, we will be in his favor. That will definitely be the case. But, consequences of things that we have done, like they didn't just go away. We'll still have to deal with some things that we have done. But the good news is that when we maybe pay for our consequences or we have to deal with kind of the stuff that we created, God can change that situation. He can bring life to it. He, people can get saved out of it. He can do a unique like work in our own hearts. He can impact so many more people than the mistake or bad decision that we did do. There could be so much more life that could be brought out of a parent, you know, hopeless situation. So mistakes, bad decisions, they definitely come with consequences. They just, you know, much of life they do. But God has an amazing way to fast track things. Um to create unusual situations that just they work out in ways we never thought that they might work out. So somebody goes and they just charge their credit card and they got 50 grand and they keep doing it and they just keep going crazy. Well, guess what? He's still going to have to pay some money. Oh, I got saved. Well, that's great. You got to pay your money. (laughs) Now, does that mean that God might not in some way, shape, or form bring in more work, bring in more money in some way, that he might not just give you favor when you actually call the credit card company? Amen. Of course he will move and like he will work and do things. It's just what he does. Or people like, you know, certainly one cycle that just destroys so many people is just like addiction cycles. And people just create just this addictive style within their lives where they have usually some kind of trigger that happens. Then they respond to that trigger. Um, then the response usually involves some shame. Then they live in guilt. And then now since they're feeling bad about it, they just continue the cycle again. And it's like, you know, did God really create us to just live in that cycle? Was that, was that part of our inheritance when we received the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ gave us new life? Oh, man, like, no way. Like, not even close. And someone can get saved and they can still struggle with that cycle. They can also get saved and have that be broken immediately. But they can also get saved, become a Christian, but still, the consequence of allowing 
bondage and you know restrictions into their life it still has to get dealt with well I thought when I became a Christian everything was just I'm just free and I'm well you know you are spiritually for sure but there's been there's been doors that we have opened in our lives that we just can't close on our own and we need the Holy Spirit to do it and he wants to do it a particular way and he's looking for our participation to do it with him So much of the Christian life is just embracing the process that God wants to do. So much of the Christian life is embracing the process that he wants to do. Of course, this whole thing is a lot easier if we can just start off by being young and not making any mistakes or having any bad habits, getting any, any cycles. Just start at zero. You know, like, yeah, that'd be great. The cycle is not the greatest enemy. trying to you know attack and deal with these problems and issues that create these cycles without Jesus Christ that's the great enemy trying to be self-sustaining in the middle of it trying to rely on our own strength and our own methods and our own techniques although good intentioned they won't last so as far as when I see their history and I see like their cyclic cycle of you know how they would do things I'm like oh man like I, I can certainly see cycles you know in my own life that have become issues that God has dealt with and then even current ones that he's continuing to deal with but the awesome news is I'm not depressed about it or discouraged about it because what's guaranteed for me is it, like he doesn't love me more than he loves you What's guaranteed, what's guaranteed is for me to overcome whatever that is. And freedom is guaranteed. It's guaranteed. I know this. So in my mind, it's just a countdown. And the biggest problem that I, I personally would have to deal with, and if you are in this category, then it would be you too. Really, the biggest question, the biggest problem that, that you'd have to deal with is, how willing, how cooperative will I be? How cooperative will I be? And I know that's the issue, like, with me. How cooperative will I be? And that was their issue. So if you look in verse, I forget, uh, when Samuel is ta- ta- talking to them about rebelling. Um, verse 14, If you fear the Lord and serve and obey him and do not rebel against his commands... And if both you and the king who reigns over you follow the Lord your God, good. Right, that word rebel, um, it was pretty interesting as far as what kind of words came out of that. Um, You know, that Greek word there, I can't say it, so I'm not going to say it. But uh, the Greek word there meant to uh, resist, oppose, be uncooperative towards authority or discipline. Resist, Oppose, be uncooperative towards authority or discipline. Resist, oppose, uncooperative towards authority or discipline. God was classifying that type of mindset, those type of behaviors as forsaking and forgetting him. 
And he was saying, listen, you're being rebellious if you're being uncooperative with what I'm trying to do, if you're resisting it in some way. And I think much of that is also true in our own lives. I think a lot of times we think of rebellion as like, you know, turning your back, giving the middle finger, and just, bah, just angry, just tirade. That's like rebellion. Bah. And it's like God doesn't necessarily look at it that way. He looks at us as like being rebellious when we are just being extremely uncooperative with what he wants to do. There's a lot of just resistance. And, and like that would be classified, you know, as far as God's concerned, as a, hey, like why are you rebelling against me right now? I'm Lord of your life. I'm Lord of your life. Like, trust me. I told you I'll give you a spouse. I told you I'd give you a boyfriend or girlfriend. I told you I would provide for you here. Just do it the way I'm telling you to do it. There's so much life there. And you won't have to create any bad cycles in the process. And you don't have to deal with any of the after effects. And so many of us, we could just get into the, like, these mental battles with God and emotional battles with God the emotions are high and then our mind is just confused and we're just hearing things from the wrong people. Well, I don't know if God is faithful. I don't know if he's real. Well, the Bible was written so long ago. You know, like, I've been praying about such and such for so long and nothing seems to... And God's saying, man, don't be rebellious on that. Like, stand in faith on what I've said. Stand in faith on what I've said. Even if you're the only one. And that's my, my last point here. I love what happens here as far as loyalty. Everybody say loyalty. I love the loyalty that is on display in this passage. Even though Israel is not looking real great right now and probably not proud to be an Israelite in this moment. But I love the loyalty that's on display. Number one, I like the loyalty that's on display from God himself. We continue to see a picture of him provide and redeem and take care of his people. And the question is, uh, why would he do that? And I thought about that. I know, like, why would he do that? You know why, like, he would do that? Because he is not going to break the covenant that he had made with his people and with the people before, with Abraham, with Jacob, and with his entire nation. He is not going to break his covenant of love with them. He was going to break a covenant with his chosen people. So they kind of had to pay for what they were doing, but he was not at all interested in just leaving them off somewhere all by themselves. He was always interested in how can I now bring them back into the fold and get them back on track. Isn't that, I don't know, I hope that encourages your heart in some way. That's the nature of who God is. Not to just make sure that we pay for what we do and that we don't ever forget it, but... He's always trying to like pull us back, equip, equip us, build us back up, strengthen us, and get us headed in a good direction. And he made a covenant with me and a covenant with you through Jesus Christ. That when we give our lives over to him, that he is not going to let us go. That he promises to love us and take care of us. That he promises to meet our needs. He said he would do that. It's always a pretty good idea to go back to God and say, God, you said 
You said you would do this, Lord. I am trusting you on this. God, you said you would come through in this arena. I've read in your word, you have acted this way towards your people. I don't see it right now. In fact, I see the opposite. But you said it, and I'm believing in it in faith that you are going to bring it to fruition, Lord. And sometimes you've got to say that quietly in your mind, and then sometimes you've got to declare it over your whole house. Sometimes while you're driving, wherever it might be. But we come into seasons where that just needs to happen vocally and be a thing that happens. Because God's loyalty is never in question. Just awesome. The other loyalty that I like to see here is Samuel. Talk about a good leader. This guy, he promised to pray and he promised to teach regardless of what they were going to do. And how many people know that he probably wasn't the most excited about this season of life? They had set up some, some bad habits and bad mistakes that they never ever dealt with. Now they have a new leader. They think everything's going to be great. It's kind of like people who are just like, I'm just going to get married because I think the relationship will get better. I'll just have kids because I think that'll just make it get better. Or if I just get more money, I'll just make it get better. Like, you're crazy. Anybody who's lived life knows that's not, that's not the case. But that's what they were thinking. Oh, I get a king, you know, it'd be fine. Sam was like, oh my goodness gracious. And I'm sure his heart was just torn because his own sons like didn't even show up the right way like Samuel did. And the great question there is, well, why? I, I don't know. You know, the word's pretty silent on that. You know, we don't know. But nonetheless, Samuel is there disheartened, probably at best, knowing the hope that's in God for sure, but also knowing the current situation and the group that he's dealing with, and they weren't even going to believe him unless he brought a, a, a ridiculous miracle in front of them. It's like then they decided to take him seriously. What if we just took God seriously when he just said, do this and just do that? What if we just believed him and he just said, don't do this and just don't do that? We just took him at his word for it. How much value and how much life there is there and how much time you save? It's amazing. So Samuel pre-decided, say pre-decided, he pre-decided that he wasn't going to budge on the calling on his life. He pre-decided, regardless of what's going to happen. And that's what happens with every Christ-centered marriage. At the altar, you, have, you literally have no idea what's in store for you. You have no idea what life is going to bring. You have no idea. You can't control what the other person's going to do. You can't control what you're going to do. You think you can, but you can't. Like You can't control. You don't know what your kids are going to do. So much of it. Control is just an illusion, right? We've talked about that. It's just an illusion. All we can do is stay really close to God, declare over our family, believe, model it out, just cover it with his love and with his grace. And he promises to not leave nor forsake that. So he pre-decided, and he said, no matter how Israel is going to respond, I promise to pray for you guys. I promise to be there and teach for you guys. I love how he didn't say, you know what? If you keep going back down that track, I'm done. I've given my whole life towards this. It hasn't changed. You're probably not going to change. And I'm just tired. It's interesting. And I just, the very last thought is this. I think that it's important for us to be aware that I believe that calling on my life, any believer, there's a calling towards love and loyalty. And the calling towards love and loyalty is there's a love and there's a loyalty that does not depend on circumstance. 
God is calling for us, for the believers, for the Christians, to live in love and to remain loyal to the things and people that matter, regardless of the circumstances that might arise. That's like really important. Super important for us. And certainly that's not one thing that has been on display in the church really well. Especially with the divorce rates that being what they are. It's just not good. And so many times the reasons for why we do what we do or why we don't do what we do is because of, well, they, well, if they didn't, and if they, and if they, and if they. God, that is like exhausting. If they. How about they don't see right? How about they, they're just lost in their own cycle of just nonsense. They have no clue how good God is. And honestly, the best thing that they can get from Jesus right now is you. How about that as an option? Because God is no way looking for us to just say, well, if they, if they, and they need to, and they need to, and they said they would, and they said they would. Phew. Good luck going through life like that, trying to hold everybody accountable for what they have done. Does that mean we never, ever bring up issues that bother us or hold people accountable? No, I'm not saying that at all. But I'm saying if that's our typical MO, the way of dealing with people, like we're, I don't know how that's Christian. That just sounds fleshly. So look at somebody next to you and say, don't make excuses. <laughs> right, it's, it's, it's amazing how we can see the blessings when we stop the blaming. It's amazing how we can see the blessings of what God is doing, how he's at work, how he's working on people, and we just choose to stop the blaming. It's so freeing. It's unbelievable. So cycles and loyalty. And um, if somebody struggles with a negative cycle, right, how do you get out of a negative cycle? I don't think there's like one kind of formula really in place. How do you get out of a negative cycle, thinking a certain way, doing a particular habit? Um, I don't know. Just struggle with a particular issue and it's just a cycle that happens. How do you get out of it? Um, well, I think there's really just one question that matters with it. Okay? Because it's got to start there and then, then there's practical things to do. But the first question is, has the inheritance through Jesus Christ in my life and for me, is this cycle like part of the plan? Like you have to be able to answer that question. What has been inherited to me and given to me, made available to me through Jesus Christ, he saved me and set me free. And so am I, is this like negative cycle also a part of that? If it's a resounding no, if it's a resounding no, that you know, God did not die so I could just be in this. Yeah, I may have done this for so long. I may have set myself up for this. I may have done these particular things and got myself in this situation. That all might be true. It's also true that God redeems, he restores, and he completely gets rid of things that cause us to be enslaved into anything else other than him. He removes it. He gets rid of it. It's not like maybe, sort of, sometimes for some people. It actually happens for every believer. 
So if it's a resounding no that like, this is not what God has for me, this is definitely not part of his plan, but it's probably more due to like what I have done, then here's the next, the next practical steps are, the next practical steps are, how can I fill up on prayer? How can I feast on truth? And how can I be faith focused? I don't know if you missed all the F's, but we'll give them to you again. How can I fill up on prayer? How can I feast on truth? What was that last time? Yeah, how can I be faith focused? And to get out of these cycles, the idea is not to do them independently on your own. That's like not the idea. We need to have other mature Christian voices like around us, whether it's just one or two or whatever. Usually it's only going to be one or two. They're going to trust it and confide into it and say, hey, listen, I have this pattern in my life. I have this way of thinking. I have this cycle going on. I know it's not from him. I've tried for years to deal with this. I'm not making headway. Can you just like co-labor with me in this? Can you come alongside? If a Christian is not doing that, I, I, I'm not quite sure. Like, what, You're just trying to fight it and do it in your own strength again. Of course you're going to end up in the same place. And yes, it's, it's not fun to be vulnerable, let people in, hold you accountable. It's not a great time in the process, but I'll tell you what, you'll, you won't regret it 10 years from then. In fact, you'll be encouraging everybody else to do it too because it changed your life forever. You with me on this? It's maybe not the most fun thing to talk about, but it's probably the most, you know, it's necessary. I don't want to get into new seasons of life where there's new opportunities and new things and still revisiting stuff from four seasons ago that I'd never dealt with. And the truth is that God won't let us move forward in relationship with him and release more until we deal with the things he's been trying to work on us with for the past however many seasons. He's got to have our hearts all the way. And then he'll bring us to do some new stuff and we'll deal with some new things together. And it's a great relationship. And it's super frank. All right. Loyalty. Cycles. New seasons. And, uh, what's that? Yeah, feast filled, focused. Right? So it's kind of late, so let's stand and pray.